You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. All right, if you'd like to find a seat... We had a lot of fun at uh, Southern Alberta Bible Camp there. And I, um, you know, we, we had some fun making it, but w- the whole point was like, I don't know that anybody realizes what kind of facility it is. And so uh, it really is um, fantastic. Uh, my luck when it comes to camping is that it's almost guaranteed to have bad weather. And so if that did happen, uh, it, we would not skip a beat. There really is a fantastic facility there um, where tons of stuff for us to do. So really encourage you to come to that. The theme for that weekend is going to be called Summer Survival. As we think about our tendency as Canadians in the summertime, we kind of get distracted from the things of the Lord, and we want to just think about that together. How are we going to stay focused on the things that we need to stay focused on? And so we're going to talk about rest, refreshment, and reverence on that weekend. So I just really encourage you to consider coming. Well, we are in the book of Genesis, and as we've been studying the life of Abram, we've seen some great triumphs of his faith, and then we've also seen uh, some uh, not-so-great triumphs, uh, some times of, uh, where he's leaned on his own understanding. And this weekend, as we study Genesis 16, and once again, we're going to see him uh, not doing well. He, he is... Um, uh, in this, in this time, uh, uh, trying to figure out what he should do, trying to get God's promises for himself through his own means. And we see that with Abram and Sarai here. Now, Hagar gets involved. We're going to learn about her this morning as well. Really, no one is doing well uh, in this text until the end of the text. And um, when it comes to our faith, we need to understand that uh, there's two enemies, probably I could come up with a lot more, but this morning as we're going to be looking at our text, two enemies, the wilderness and worldliness. Uh, the wilderness is that, you know, times where we feel all alone, feels, times where we, we, we feel like there, there's everyone who's against, everyone's against us. And, and so there's times in the wilderness, and we've all experienced times like that in our life where it's just really hard. And then the, the t- when times of worldliness, where we, we, we adapt to our culture rather than adapting to the Word of God. And whether you realize it or not, you are greatly influenced by uh, your culture. And if, you're, if you ever doubt that, just go travel somewhere overseas, right? And you're like, why, why do they do it this way, right? I mean, even, even people from Ontario, right? They're like, you can buy milk in a carton, Right? Instead of a bag. Like, who would use a bag, right? But that's what they do in Ontario. And, 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 and something like that, it's like, it's amoral, right? Like, it's neither good nor bad. It's just the way it is. And, of course, it's better to have a carton. But anyway, but with that, we digress. But then there are uh, influences from the culture that are actually anti-Christian. They are moral in nature. Uh, even you think about the advertising that you get every day. If you just buy this product, your life will be better, right? Travel to this location if you truly want to find rest and refreshment. Um, our school system is, is about as anti-God right now as you can get, right? And the message is 
you be you, and we're going to help you discover who you is, you know, and, 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 and it's, it's steering us away from the Word of God, and it is, and it is directing us to, to live out our sinful flesh. Even in the church, we are influenced by worldly thinking. I want to just give a few examples. Uh, here's something that often gets said in the church, God won't give you more than you can handle. Is that true? Now, that is not true, right? God oftentimes will give you more than you can, you can handle so that what? You turn to him and rely upon him. And that, you see that over and over again in the scriptures. The devil made me do it. Really? Uh, you chose, right? He, he was right there cheering you along, but the devil didn't make you do anything. God helps those who help themselves, Hezekiah 7.3, right? That's not in the scripture. In fact, if you want to argue, you'd say, who does God help? The orphan, the widow, those who have nothing to offer. God helps. And then maybe you've heard this uh, at a funeral. I'm so sorry for your loss. Heaven must have needed another angel. What a ridiculous statement. Right? What, I mean, it's, it, it sounds really nice, whatever, but that's not how it works. Right? Uh, we don't become angels. Right? We, were never, we will never be angels. And so it's just another thing that often gets said in the church that is wrong. And we have to be on guard that we are not being influenced by the world in the way that we think. And the only way that you can truly be on guard against that is to be a person of the word. Because... If you're continually being saturated by the world, you will begin to adopt its thinking. And as I said, the church, even at times, will begin to adopt that, again, if they're not a church based on the word. These times in the worldliness and, uh, of worldliness and in the wilderness shows that our faith can be fragile at times. The great triumphs we've seen with, with Abram, you're just like, man, what's next? You know, God, he's just been showing such great faith over and over again. But guess what? Tomorrow is a new day. And you cannot rely on the triumphs of the day previous. You must continually cling to the Lord. And so we're going to learn from Abram this morning, from Sarai and from Hagar. And I'm praying that the Lord will help us to learn from their shortcomings, Lord, that we might be warned as well. And I, I pray as well that we would see that our God is awesome again this morning. Even when we are faithless, he is faithful. He shows compassion and mercy in our time of need, even when we have turned astray. And so these are some things I hope we'll learn this morning. Before we do, though, let me, before we get into the word, let me pray for us. Lord God, we are so thankful for our time together this morning. God, your word is good. Lord, we're reminded this morning as we study Genesis 16 that these things have been written for us in this New Testament era. Lord, that we might learn, that we might grow from the examples of those in the past. Sometimes those examples are good and sometimes those examples are bad. And God, I pray this morning that we would be warned as it says in 1 Corinthians 10, that, Lord, um, that we would take heed lest we fall. Lord, we know that we are not sufficient in ourselves to stand, but, Lord, as we lean upon you, as we 
place our, our trust in you, God, we know that we can be faithful. And so, God, we pray this morning that, Lord, you would teach us, that you would lead us, that you would um, speak to our hearts. Lord, we're going to learn this morning that you are the God who sees and you are the God who hears. And, God, we acknowledge that this morning, that you know every single thing about us. And so, God, would you lead us? Would you convict us where we need to be convicted? Lord, would you encourage where we need encouragement? Lord, for your glory and for your honor. And Lord, may we leave here more faithful than when we came in. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody needs a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and slip up your hand. Uh, the ushers will be happy to get you a copy of God's Word. If you forgot yours, that's fine. Just grab one. But if you don't have one, just keep the one they're giving you. Again, our authority is the Word of God. And so we must study it uh, together. So Genesis 16, if you want to turn there, we're going to uh, go through the whole chapter together today. Verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she, had, when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said to Hagar, servant of Sarai, Where have you come from, and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Bir Lahoi Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. So let's begin by observing the shortcomings of Abram, Sarai, and Hagar. And from that, we can see that we can learn that our faith is shown to be fragile when we trust in ourselves rather than God. Our faith is shown to be fragile when we trust in ourselves rather than in God. And you think about Sarai. Think about her life. 
It had been a long, hard road for her. Year after year without being able to have a child. Decades had passed. And then the Lord showed himself to her husband, Abram, brought him out of this idolatry and had promised that they would be able to have a child. She must have been so excited. Okay, the Lord is the Lord God, Yahweh, is going to give me a child. But now it's been over a decade again and still no child. Where is God? Where's this promise of his coming? You know what? I think maybe I've got it wrong. Maybe we're supposed to help with this solution. The, the saying, uh, God helps those who help themselves, must have been ringing in her ears as she thought about this. And so it says in verse 1, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. Both in verse 1 and verse 3, we, we see Sarai described as Abram's wife. Um, remember that whole Genesis 1 and 2 thing? The two shall become one, one man, one woman for life. I think, God, I think what Moses is highlighting here, hey, they're married. That should be it. There should be no adding on like they're suggesting here. This female Egyptian servant likely came from Pharaoh. Pharaoh giving her to Abram as a gift when Abram had lied about Sarai being his sister. And so, again, the sin previous is having an impact on the situation here. Verse 2, And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. She understood that the Lord ultimately was in control of whether she had a child or not. And so she says, He's prevented me from doing that. So do this. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And when we read this, and Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. Now, some of you have been with us since September, and you're like, wait a minute. There seems like there's some similarities here. It seems like we're back in the Garden of Eden again. And there in the Garden of Eden, do not eat from this fruit in the tree, from this one tree. That's all I'm telling you to do. Do not do that, for if you do that, you will die. Satan comes along and says, like, God's, God's keeping back from you. God's keeping back from you. Just eat from the fruit, and then you will receive what you should ultimately have. Here, God's keeping back from us. We, we've not been able to have a child, so let us go around and do something different. Let, 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 let us choose instead for you to have a child through my servant Hagar. The same kind of thing is going on here. What should have Abram done here? Hey, um, at the very least, should have said, hey, you know what? You're right. I, I don't remember him saying specifically it was you that would give the child. You know, it was promised to me. Um, let's pray about it. Right? At the very least, he should have been like, um, I don't know that God is pro-polygamy, um, but let's pray about it, right? And, and what would have happened? Yeah, dumb idea. Don't do it. That's what God would have said. But they don't pray. And, and, I, and I think there's something that we can learn from this in regards to prayerlessness. 
Uh, How often do we get ourselves into situations that we ought not to because we fail to pray? Now, sometimes you may not know the answer. You you truly don't know the answer, and you're, you're trying to figure it out. In those cases, guess what? Pray. Seek the Lord. Call others in the body of Christ. Say, hey, what do you think about this situation? Sometimes God counsels us through those around us. But here, there is no prayer. There is no seeking of the Lord. He simply says, yeah, let's do that. No different than in the garden. He's like, fruit, great. I'll take it. He listened to the voice of his wife, Sarai. Another thing to be thinking about If you go to someone and say, hey, have you prayed about that? And they're like, I don't have to. I don't need to. Guess what? That person's going into sin. You don't even have to think about it at that point, right? I mean, how how many times, like, yeah, I don't need need anybody else's opinion. I don't need, I I know what I need to do. Yeah, you're convinced yourself that to sin is to the better way, right? So prayer, can I just encourage us, body of Christ? Prayer guards us from sin. But they fail to do that. Instead, they trust in their own thinking, in their own ways, which leads us to our next point. Our faith is shown to be fragile when we rely on the wisdom of the world versus the word of God. Yeah, Sarah is not coming up with some kind of unique solution here. What she's doing is she's looking at the world around her and saying, what do they normally do? What does our culture do when it comes to someone who is barren? Ross says this, in the legal custom of the day, a barren woman could give her maidservant to her husband as a slave wife, and the child that would be born to that union would be regarded as the first wife's wife's child. If the husband then declared in public that the child of the slave wife was his son, then that son would be adopted as the heir. This is no different then when Abram's like, I guess Eleazar is going to be the heir, somebody from my own household. It's the idea of relying on the wisdom of this world rather than trusting in the promises of God. From the perspective of the world, this was the best they could come up with. If you're going to live in a godless society, you try to come up with your own solutions. And for them, they're like, this, is what, this, will, this will be like this legal kind of agreement. This is how it will work. That's the best they had. For a Christian, for a believer, in this case, Abram, as a believer in the Lord God, he should have thought this was the dumbest idea uh, that they they could come up with, but he doesn't. Again, he trusts in the wisdom of the world rather than trusting in the promises of God. Again, Abram, as I've already mentioned, has failed in this case. Just as Adam had failed, Abram failed. It's interesting, Genesis 3.17 says almost exactly the same thing. It says, you have listened to the voice of your wife. Abram has failed to lead as God has called him to lead. Sarai, I mean, she's not blameless here, for sure, right? she's, She's trying to come up with a solution to the problem rather than trusting in the promises of God. She believes that it's on them to do it rather than trusting God. And and again, we need to be on guard against that in our own lives, turning to the ways of the world rather than trusting in the promises of God. 
So it says in verse 3, so after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. Is anyone shocked that this is turning into be a big problem? Right? Like when you turn to the ways of the world, do not be shocked at, at the multitude of sin that happens as a result of that first step towards sin. Like they've been so short-sighted in what they're thinking here. Hey, I have an idea. We'll just take this, this slave here and uh, she'll have a child and everything will be great. Is everything great? Everything is not great, right? It's really, really bad because they've chosen to follow the ways of the world. Hagar, we're told that she became pregnant and that when she does so, she becomes prideful and she looks down on Sarai. She, she's kind of positioning herself like, look, look, like I am the true wife. I'm the one who's been able to give Abram a child. Ross puts it like this. The child of the slave wife could have been counted as Sarai's child, as in the cases of the children born to Rachel and Leah through slave wives. But it appears that Hagar had higher ambitions, and Sarai reached harshly, sorry, reacted harshly to them. See, everyone in this situation is in sin. There is no innocent person here. Abram has not led. He's followed in, in this terrible advice from Sarai. Sarai's leaning on worldly wisdom, and now Hagar is becoming prideful, and, and, and it's just a mess, is it not? Well, this leads us to the next thing. Our faith is shown to be fragile when we let emotions control us versus his commands. Every single instance here, guess who's ruling? The emotions, right? No one is saying, hey, what's the word of God say? They're just kind of now, at this point, after choosing this terrible direction, they're, they're living out their emotions. Just as that happened in the Garden of Eden, now the blame game begins, right? It's their fault. Verse 5, And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave you my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. Abram's your fault. Everything that's happened is your fault. And she's partially right. Abram has not been a godly man here. He's not done what he should be doing in any sense of the word. Think about Sarai. Like, just, just put yourself in her shoes, right? Decade after decade, not being able to have a child. Sorrowful. Desperate. So she makes a dumb decision, a sinful decision, suggests it to her husband, her husband goes along with it, and now instead of this, this sorrow and this desperation, she is bitter and angry. You, just, you know, I gave her into your embrace. She foolishly suggested that another woman be in the place that only she should be. One man, one woman for life. 
That's what God designed. And what she has done is going to haunt her now. I, I, you can only imagine she's, she's thinking about like what, what happened in the tent. Now, clearly, she has a baby now, and she's looking down with me, on me because I have not been able to have a child. Like, just think about all the emotions that she is facing. And so she comes to her husband and said, this is all on you. I think part of this is I've been thinking about like, like the dynamics because it's pretty messed, right? That, like, there is no roadmap for how do you shepherd your second wife. But he's not shepherding anybody, right? Abram's not shepherding Sarai, and he's not shepherding Hagar. And she's coming to you like, this is your wife. Do you not see what she's doing to me? How she's looking down on me? How she's becoming prideful? How she's trying to replace me? Well, what are you going to do, Abram? You messed up in the first place by saying and agreeing to this. Are you going to step it up now and be a godly man? Are you going to come alongside Sarah and, 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 and repent before her and say, I, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I can only imagine what you're going through right now. I sinned when I agreed to go along with this. I should have stood up and said, let's, let's just trust the Lord together. But I sinned. So would you please forgive me for that? And right now, I know that this is super hard for you. So I'm just, let's pray together about how to best deal with this. I'm going to talk to Hagar and tell her that she has to stop doing what she's doing. And, and, and I'm going to bring reconciliation to this mess that I have created. Is that what he does? He does not do that. Instead, guess what philosophy he's living by? Happy wife, happy life. Whatever my, my wife wants, right? Like when, when we say that saying, happy wife, happy life, that usually means the guy's like, I'm out, I'm out, whatever she wants, I don't care. That's what we get for an answer here. Now, but Abram said to Sarai, behold, your servant is in your power. Do as you please. Why are you bugging me with this? Why are you bothering me? She, Hagar's your servant. Take care of it. I mean, lame, 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 right? A Abram has, you want to talk about husband hall of fame. This is not that moment, right? Not, not doing great here. Guys, can we just like look in the mirror here for a minute? Doing the loving thing towards your wife is sometimes going to cause conflict. You love, if you love your wife, sometimes you're going to say, hey, hon, I love you, but you're off here. You're, you're not thinking rightly. I, I, look, I'm, I'm far from perfect. You come, with, you come with gentleness, you come with humility, but you speak into her life, and you direct her as... Abram should have here. But instead, he just wipes his hands clean of all whole situation. You know, I'm busy. I got 300-some servants. You take care of it. I, I, I got too much on my plate as is, you know? Is this kind of ringing in the backs of your heads, you know, as far as maybe something you've said, men? Well, he doesn't help her. He says to her, 
do as you please. Well, where's she she at right now? Is this godly advice? Do as you please? Well, this isn't going to turn out well. It says that then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. This, this, this word dealt harshly, some translations, it says mistreated. The, the, the next time we'll see this word used is when it is referring to the Egyptians treating their slaves, Israel, sorry, the, the children of Israel as slaves, that they mistreated the children of Israel. So dealt harshly is a great translation as far as the ESV goes. This wasn't like kind of like, you know, sarcastic comments, whatever. This is so bad that Hagar flees. She takes off. She doesn't know where she's going. We're going to see that in a moment. But she knows one thing. I can't stay here one more day. And so she flees, which is, again, is not a great way to deal with conflict. So in every situation here, we see Sin, ruling the day. What can we learn from this? Well, first of all, we see that there is no prayer. There is no seeking the Lord in these things. And as a result of that, all of these things compound. If you have conflict in your life today, you have to ask yourself, am I a person who's praying about these things? Am I a person who has got to have it their way? Or are you a person who's like, I want it God's way. I want, I want the Lord to be honored and glorified in my life. And if I'm wrong, then I need to be quick to ask for forgiveness. We need to trust in the Lord rather than trusting in the world in its wisdom. You're like, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I, I, you know, I'm just killing it. I had this last week. I mean, you would have been just amazing. Can I, can I just come up and share a testimony of how amazing I'm doing? And if that's, if that's how the week was, praise God. But guess what it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12? Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Every single day, you have to wake up and you have to humble yourself before the Lord and you need to say, Lord, I need you. I need your word. I'm on my knees before you because I know that left to myself, my faith is fragile and I will turn away from that which I ought to do. So God, would you help me? May we learn from the example of Abram and Sarai and Hagar here. Well, just as we've seen with Abram and Egypt and the sin there, God intervenes. God intervenes once again. Second point I want to make here this morning, our God is shown to be compassionate through his pursuing. First, through his pursuing. It says that the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. It would appear that, that leaving Abram's house, she is making her way towards Egypt. She's near the border now of Egypt. That's where she's from. She doesn't know where she's going. We're gonna, we've already read it once. We're going to read it again in just a moment. She doesn't know exactly where she's going, but she's left there. She's going towards home. And now we see the angel of the Lord finds her. Who is the angel of the Lord? This is the first time 
that we've seen this term, the angel of the Lord. At times, it seems that the angel of the Lord is speaking on behalf of Yahweh, and then at times it seems like it is Yahweh himself who is speaking. And so there's a lot of uh, talk, a lot of, a lot of study on, as to exactly who the angel of Yahweh is. Hamilton says this, the angel of Yahweh is a visible manifestation, either in human form or in fiery form. This is not the only time. Again, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember, I think it was 53 times. Don't quote me on that, but it's, it's about 50 sometimes where the angel of the Lord is used in the Old Testament. This is the first of many. He speaks, sorry, the angel of Yahweh is a visible manifestation, either in human form or fiery form, of Yahweh that is essentially indistinguishable from Yahweh himself. The angel of Yahweh is more a representation of God than a representative of God. Does that make sense? Not just another angel representing God, but a representation of God. So some believe this is the pre-incarnate Christ. We don't see the angel of the Lord show up after Christ comes, and so they say, well, this must be the pre-incarnate Christ. What we can say for sure is that this is some kind of manifestation of the Lord himself. And so he comes to Hagar, and he says to her, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? Again, we're reminded of the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, hey, where are you guys? Where are you? Is that, you know, does, does the angel of the Lord need to ask Hagar, like, hey, where are you from? Where are you going? Clearly not. Why? He's addressed her, addressed her as what? Hagar, servant of Sarai, <laughs> right? He already knows who she is, but he is what? He's drawing out her heart. What's going on here? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. That's all she says. She doesn't answer the second part of the question. I know where I came from. I am fleeing. But she doesn't say where she's going. I don't know that she understands where she's going at this point. This is how desperate her situation is. I just know I cannot be there another day. That's all I could know for sure. Note again the Lord's grace and love in pursuing this woman in her distress. Like, she's all alone, right? We understand that. Like, she's got nobody. The only two people that, 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 that could help her are against her right now. And, and she's all alone in the wilderness, and then God just comes to her lovingly and caringly. And he's going to shepherd her heart in directing her in what she should do. This is the opposite of what Abram had done for Sarai and Hagar. What he asks is not easy, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. But Hagar's story is really your story, my story, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. When you were in a desperate state, when you were all alone, when you had everything against you in a spiritual sense, when you were in the wilderness spiritually, and, and, a, and an enemy of God, apart from him, he came to you, right, lovingly, caringly, and opened your eyes to see 
that he was good. He opened your eyes to see that he had been watching over you long before you ever recognized him as being God. And in his grace and his mercy, he gave you faith to place your hope and trust in him. God is so good. He showed us that what we needed to do was not easy, but if we put our trust in him, that we would be saved. He showed us that we were not good people. Maybe up to that point, you're like, man, I'm a pretty good person, you know? Look at all the good deeds I do every day. You had a great list, and, and maybe not everybody was convinced you're a good person, but you knew you're a good person. And then on that day, God showed you you were a bad person, that you had sinned against him, but if you would turn from your sin and put your trust in him, that you would be saved. And so you did. You did the hard thing. You died to self, and you put your trust in him. What he's going to ask Hagar to do here is not an easy thing. But our God is shown to be compassionate through his commands. All his commands are good. All his ways are faithful to us. And so he says in verse 9, the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. She's instructed to turn away from her running and go back to the place of conflict. You think this would be difficult? Anyone? I mean, she's in the wilderness. This is how bad the situation has been. And God is saying, I want you to go back. It would take great faith to go back, would it not? To say, okay, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even going to think about what I'm going to face because it may not turn out well for me. Like, it was bad before, and now I've left, and I've shirked all the responsibilities that I was supposed to be doing as a servant. Is it going to be worse now as a result of that? She doesn't think about that. Instead, she only says, Lord, I trust your word. I trust your command that what you say I need to do, I will do. And the results are up to you. The results are up to you, Lord. What a challenge for all of us here this morning. Because what Hagar does in her conflict is a common theme for you and I. We get hurt in a relationship, and what do we do? We isolate. I, I, I don't want to be around that person anymore. I, I, I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to go to a different church. I'm going to stop going to church. I, I'm going to stop dating, right? I, 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 every time I date someone, I get hurt. I'm not dating anymore. I guess I'm supposed to be single for the rest of my life. I, I'm no longer getting together with my family because it's just too painful. God understands your pain. Now, I wonder if there's folks watching online or maybe you're just visiting for the first time this morning and you're kind of wondering whether you should be involved in the church, but you're just so tired of the pain that you've received when being in a church. Can you hear the word of the Lord this morning for you? Which would be this, gather together as my people. That's his command to us. And I am sorry if you've been hurt in the church and many, many times you've been hurt unjustly and, 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 but God still calls you to come back and to be a part of the body of Christ and to trust him in that. We're all sinners here. Anybody not a sinner here? 
Okay, I didn't see any hands. That's good. We're all sinners here. And so for us to continue to, to gather together, we will need to forgive one another. We'll need to, to, to be humble before one another. But I pray that that would be your next experience in a church family, that you would know that the love and care of Christ through the body of Christ, that's what his desire is for you. And so there's a, a parallel to this. He's calling Hagar to return to his chosen servant, Abram. Thirdly, our God is shown to be compassionate through his promises. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. Super fascinating here, right? Like there's a lot of this, you're like, okay, like only God understands these things, only God knows. But because of his love for his servant Abram, and we're going to see later in Genesis 26, he says to Isaac, for the sake of my servant Abram, I'm going to multiply your seed. And there's a sense here, because you're a son of Abram, I'm going to, multitude, I'm going to multiply your family line. This is the promise that he gives to Ishmael. And then the angel said to her, behold, you are pregnant. I'm sure you already knew that. And she'll bear a son. She did not know that. You're going to have a boy. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. Did you know that's what the name Ishmael means? The Lord hears. The Lord hears. Every time she called his name, she would be reminded of the fact that the Lord had met her here in the wilderness, that he had heard her in her affliction. What a, what a loving, gracious God. But Ishmael will also be a man of conflict. We see in verse 12, he will be a wild donkey of a man. What a great way of putting it. His hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. This, this term, wild donkey of a man, is used in the Old Testament as a figure of an individualistic lifestyle untrammeled by social convention. In other words, this guy was going to continue to rebel against anyone and everyone around him. And there would be a life of conflict, continual conflict for him. His offspring were going to be a great and mighty people, but what? He's not going to receive the promises that Abram has been given. He's not going to have the promises that Isaac will be given. He will be a great nation, but he will not be like God's people. It says, Derek Kidner says this, to some degree, this son of Abram would be a shadow, almost a parody of his father. His 12 princes, notable in their times, we're going to see this in chapter 17, 25, but not in the history of salvation his restless existence, no pilgrimage, but an end in itself. His nonconformism, a habit of mind, not a light to the nations. Well, just as when Abram failed in Egypt, there were consequences to their sin. This sin of choosing Hagar has only impacted society for the last 4,000 years. That's all. Like when we choose to sin, there are consequences. Like there has been conflict between Israel and the, the descendants of Ishmael for the last 4,000 years. 
There's animosity, hatred towards another. There's been conflicts. There's been wars over and over and over again for the last 4,000 years because of this one sin. Like sometimes Christians say the stupidest things. Can I just say that out loud? Well, they got away with their sin. You know, they, they got away with it. Abram got to have two wives. Lucky him. He got away with his sin. Did he get away with his sin? He did not get away with his sin. There were consequences. And we need to be warned by that, Christians. God forgives. Amen? But there are consequences to our actions that sometimes last days, weeks, and sometimes millennia, as we see here. Let us be warned about the consequences of sin. Then lastly, our God is shown to be compassionate through his concern, through his concern. Hagar says this, so, or so we see Hagar's reaction, verse 13. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Bir Lahoi Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Just a few observations this morning as we close. Combined with the name of her son, Hagar now declares that God is both the God who sees and the God who hears. She had left her home in great distress, but God had pursued her and revealed himself to her and cared for her. Although she had felt all alone, there was a God who both sees and hears. She could trust in his commands and his promises. This morning, you may feel all alone. You may think nobody understands, nobody sees, nobody hears what you're going through, but know that God understands. He knows everything that you're going through. Be encouraged that, that he is there, that he is concerned about you and that he loves you. May you continue to obey and trust his commands and cling to his promises as you go through your time in the wilderness. This morning, maybe you're here and you have never put your trust in Christ. Know also that he knows and sees and hears. He knows everything about you. You have never recognized him in your life. You have not acknowledged his presence, but he has been there from the beginning. He was the one who knit you together. He is the one who breathed life into you, and he sees and hears this morning. And he has brought you here that you might know that you might have life, that you might turn from your sin and place your trust in him. And I, I pray this morning that you would see that he is a God who is faithful, that you would see that he is good, that he has provided a way out of the wilderness in your spiritual state, that you would see that, that he has died in your place so that your sins might be forgiven, and that if you would place your trust in him this morning, he would never leave you nor forsake you. And then the third observation I have is this. What did Abram call the boy? Ishmael. We're not told what the conversation was when she got back, are we? But he must, must have listened to what she said. 
And she came back and said, I, I met the God who sees. I met the God who hears in the wilderness. And, and this is what he said to me. This is what he's telling us to do, that, that, that we're to name him Ishmael. This is what the command was. And, and Abram and Sarai, as they hear about the God who sees and the God who hears, I believe as godly people, they are convicted by their sin. At some point, listen, 1 Peter 3, ladies, you know the text well, 1 Peter 3, Sarai is going to be held up as an example to follow. She was not here in chapter 16. But I believe God in his grace and mercy brings conviction of sin in both their lives. And they're like, okay, we've been wrong. We will name the boy Abraham, or Ishmael just as you have said. We know that God sees and hears. May that be a warning for you, believer, this morning. You think nobody sees your sin. You think that you can continue to do what you've been doing over and over again. You can think what you want to think. You can do what you want to do. You can say what you're going to say, and nobody will have to know. Well, guess what? The one who really matters knows. He sees. He hears. And so I pray this morning that, that what I believe the same conviction happened to Hagar, and, or sorry, to Abram and Sarai, would happen to you today that you would realize that sin is, is, is serious and that you must repent of it this morning because he sees and he hears. Well, our faith can be shown to be fragile. When we trust ourselves, we trust the wisdom of the world, when we live by our emotions rather than the word of God, trusting in the promises of God, trusting in him, I pray this morning this would be a word of warning for us, that we would not think that we stand lest we fall, but that we, this morning we would say, God, my faith has been renewed, my faith has been challenged, but I will trust in you. Lord, I will get humble before you, and I will walk in obedience even when it is hard, Lord, that you might be found faithful in my life. He is so compassionate, so good. If you're in sin this morning, turn to him. Turn to him now and find grace. Let me pray. Lord God, we are so thankful that you are faithful even when we are faithless. Lord, you have challenged us this morning as we have thought about Abram and Sarah and Hagar and just the mess that they found themselves in. And God, I know that a lot of us here this morning can relate to this mess because of our sin, there are, there, is, uh, there are great conflicts in our life, or there are consequences that we're facing because of our sin, and God, we're praying today, first of all, Lord, would you make us repentant? Lord, would you help us to turn from our sin and turn to you? Help us to trust anew in your word and follow your commands Understanding, Lord, that you never promised to take away the consequences of our sin, but Lord, you, will, you, are, you are faithful in that you are with us even in those consequences. Lord, I thank you that you do know every, everything about every person here. Lord, would you help us to be faithful? Lord, would you help us to, to walk in your ways? Would you help us to cling to your promises anew this week? 
And Lord, for those who are struggling, they're wrestling, God, would you help them to see that you are good today? It's your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.